0: You're listening to episode 112 of the Writing Life podcast from the National Centre for Writing, a weekly podcast for anyone who writes. I'm Simon Jones.
1: And I'm Steph McKenna.
0: And it is Friday the 11th of September here in Norwich, and we're well into the Norwich Crime Writing Festival. Hope you enjoyed yesterday's podcast and tuned in to our events on YouTube. We have lots more coming up today, including Attica Lock tonight with a live Q&A afterwards. So get your questions ready.
1: On Saturday, 12th of September, we've got two great events on YouTube with French writer Olivia Norick and Nigerian writer Oyinkan Braithwaite. And we've also got a third podcast coming up at 5pm on Sunday, the 13th of September. We're bringing together Poirot super fans, Sophie Hannah and Dr. Mark Aldridge for a discussion all about The Greatest Detective in the World.
0: So on the podcast today, we are talking to our second writer in residence that we have this year. As mentioned yesterday, we have virtual writers in residence because people unfortunately can't come and stay at Dragon Hall right now. And yesterday we talked to Paddy Richardson from New Zealand. And today we are talking to Anita Terpstra, who lives in Louvarden, another UNESCO city of literature, which is found in the Netherlands.
1: So Anita's debut thriller, Night Flight, was nominated for the Shadow Prize and the Crime Zone Thriller Award. Together was nominated for the Golden Gallows and her books have been translated into German and to French. As Simon mentioned, Anita lives in Levarden, UNESCO City of Literature in the Netherlands.
0: And accompanying today's podcast, we actually have some articles up on the website by Anita and also by Paddy. So if you head over to noiridge.co.uk, you can now read some pieces by them written especially for the festival this year.
1: Yeah, so these are really great pieces. We recommend checking them out. Uh, Paddy has published an extract from her novel, Swimming in the Dark. And she's also written an exclusive piece for us uh, about her city, Dunedin, and the relationship between Dunedin and New Zealand and writing and crime writing. And then Anita has written two original short stories for us. One is called Solstice and one is called The Love Boat. The Love Boat has been translated by Danny Guinan. And Solstice has been translated by Sarah Timmer Harvey.
0: Fantastic. We will put links down in the show notes so that you can find those nice and easily. So Anita talked to Flo a few days ago and we're very pleased to present that conversation right here, right now.
2: Anita, I'm so delighted to have the chance to talk to you today. Thank you not only for taking part in our residency this year, but for, for doing this podcast. It's great to
3: to meet you. Yes, it's uh, it's great to meet you too as well. Although I'd rather be there uh, in person, but this is a good uh, good alternative.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's a shame we we can't be doing this podcast face to face, but I'm I'm glad that through the power of the internet we can still talk about your work and and your uh, stories that you've kindly shared with our Norwich audiences. I wonder if before we talk a little bit about your writing and your career and, and your practice as a writer, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you speaking from today and, and how have you been?
3: I've, I'm speaking to you from uh, Leobaden, where I uh, live since uh, I think 15 or 16 years or so. Uh, well, I, I actually grew up in a little uh, town that's called uh, Hallam little village and it's about 15 kilometers from uh, Leeuwarden. So when I was 12 I um, started to go to the, well in Dutch it's called Uh So I always had to uh, be on the bike for 15 kilometers uh, to Leeuwarden and go back and it was always raining and always uh, windy. So I'm connected Bilvaarden uh, almost uh, all my life, and um, I've, li- I've studied journalism in Zwolle, and then I studied art history in uh, in Groningen. And eventually, when I uh, fell in love with my uh, now husband, uh, we we returned to uh, uh, to Bilbaarden. and that's where I'm living now with my well, with my husband and two kids, two boys, and my dog. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And
2: perhaps a, a good moment to mention that Leobard like Norwich, where, where we're based here at National Centre for Writing, we're connected via the UNESCO Cities of Literature Network. And that network is kind of the reason that we're, we're talking today. To start with, I just wanted to ask you a bit about how you came to being a crime writer. You're debut book was published in 2009 so you've you've been publishing your crime novels for over 10 years now but I wondered if you could tell us about what made you start writing crime fiction and what first attracted you to the genre
3: well that's actually a uh, uh, well a funny story but I was uh, as I mentioned before I, I studied journalism and then art history and by that time I was um, I think I was 28 uh and and well I I had to start start working obviously uh making money uh but my first job I I didn't like it I really hated it um and I was uh I was living in in Groningen at that time and I was just well, you know, getting up early in the morning, going to work, coming home late, uh and, and and I I remember uh it was a day it was it was raining, it's always raining here. And it was windy, it's always windy here. Uh and I I let myself in into my apartment and I was thinking, okay, is this going to be the rest of my life uh doing doing this doing work i hate and and it was kind of a rational uh decision i thought well no i i want to i want to be my own um uh, boss i want to write my own stories not 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 stories for other people because i was working as a journalist at the time and i um i looked at my my uh, uh, uh book closet, I think you uh, book bookcase I don't know the exact word and uh, there were all those books about uh, uh well crime novels and I thought well what if I try to be a writer uh, it, it sounds very stupid sometimes i think because most people n- writers know from from a young age they want to write stories and and i don't have that i it was kind of a, a decision i made uh, i thought well, if i write books then i have then i have total freedom i i get to make up the story uh nobody tells me what to do and uh well let's try this and here you are. <laughs> because it took me, well, I started, I did started, start writing uh, um, and, and kept on working because obviously we did find another job. It was not per se a better job, but I found a job. And besides my job, I started writing. And in that time, I always, also had two children. So it was very uh, busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took me about five years to um, well to produce something that was um, well was worth uh, how do you say it worth worth well worth it. Um, mm-hmm. And and in that time I I also um, uh, sent my stories to publishers and they all said no. Uh, even the publisher that publishes my books now said, no, I still have that letter. I uh, <laughs> uh, Yes, I, I, I remind them of that very regularly to keep them on their phone. And, uh, well, it took me five years to, to uh, get Nachtflucht uh, published. And, and I got, uh, well, what I said, I got rejected. Very much. Uh, I've also written short stories and and participated in in uh, contests. I got rejected, and I did. uh, I I followed a lot of writing classes, and uh, eventually I found a literary agent. And he, uh, well, he had the right contacts, and that's how I, uh, after five or six years, uh, I got published.
2: Fantastic! It's so interesting to me to hear that you. You just sat down one day and decided you were going to to try writing, and after much hard work and a, a clearly a busy
3: time, you you made it happen. Yes, yes, and and also uh, I remember that the, the um, a second part of your question, why crime novels, and that mm. was because I read a lot of crime, and I also thought uh, it would be um, it would be easier. Uh, because when you when you write crime, uh, well, a person dies, and you have to figure out why he or she dies. And I thought, well, that that gives me some um, perspective on how to how to make a plot, an outline. Because if I wanted to write a novel, I had no idea where I could write about. But crime, somebody dies, and you have to solve the crime.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You've got the, the genre there giving you a framework and, yes. and within that you have complete freedom, but yes. perhaps yes. A, a good way to start off. That's right. I wonder, did your background in journalism come in handy when you were writing about crime? Had you covered crime stories in the past?
3: No, I hadn't uh, covered crime stories, but I um when I think back, I was always fascinated by uh by crime stories, or at least uh, about it was as a child, I was very interested in uh, the monster of Loch Ness, for example, and aliens and and Bigfoot and those kind of uh, mysteries, and um and I do think. Uh, my my well, I, I obviously I could, well, um, write a little because I had uh, done uh, journalism, and also because I uh, read a lot. Uh, I still read a lot, and and um, I read a lot of articles that had um, that were mysteries about uh, well about crimes. So it it did come in handy.
2: Yeah, fantastic. I think what you've um, just said about about the mysteries of, of the Loch Ness Monster and some of that more supernatural mystery in a way, um, I think we definitely see some of that in one of the stories you've uh, kindly written for your residency um, in Zonavenda, which uh, Sarah Timmer Harvey has translated as Solstice. Um, and which listeners will be able to read on the Noirich website um, during the festival dates. There's a real there's a real sense in that story about layers of ghost stories and local history and folklore that you're also weaving into a crime story. Um, and that that really struck me as as such an unusual way that you'd mixed some fantastical elements with a a more classic crime yeah uh, crime plot and I wondered if you could talk a little bit about how and why you mixed those two genres in that story
3: well I think I always um... Uh, you always put of i i don't know if every writer does it but i do it i always put something of myself in the, in, in in my books or in my stories and in this case i uh, well i'm a really um, well how do you put it i'm, I'm a chicken i'm a, i'm afraid of everything and um I'm I'm still afraid of ghosts. Um, I I remember once seeing the movie, which um, called with with Bruce Willis. He's uh, he said, and a boy says, "I see dead people." Oh, the Sixth Sense. Yeah, I the think. Sixth Sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I saw it as a student in Groningen, and I always had to, after uh, going to the pub, I I had to. Um, Go to uh, go back on my bike, and it was about fifteen minutes uh, on on my bike to my flat, and and then I had to park my flat in the in the cellar, uh, and it was always a very long dark hallway, and I always thought, well, now now there's a ghost <laughs> coming <laughs> at me, and I remember that feeling very uh, vividly. So I I I put my own fears in in. Stories as a way to deal with them, I think. So that's why the 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 ghost um, story is in it, and also because I once, well, I don't know. I think you do have it in in England when you go on a on a ghost tour, or you go into the woods, and then you have to make your way back. It's, it's called a spoketocht yeah. in in Dutch. I I did those walks and um i always pee my pants because um it's just it's just too scary for me um so that's why i um yeah that's why i put those those both in the in in the story
2: that's that's so interesting to hear about that um personal and visceral experience that is informing your fiction um another thing that really stood out to me when I read your stories in translation by Sarah Harvey and Danny Ginnan was your really strong characterization. actually even right from the first sentence I feel like your characters are very complex and they have different motivations and we're, we're right there with them feeling their feelings and hearing their thoughts Oh, thank you. It's nice to hear you. Yeah, abs- absolutely. It, um, that, that really came through for me um, in those translations. I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about how do you go about writing these complex characters? Is every character different for you or do you have a particular method that you follow?
3: No, every every character is is different and I always um that's why I was so delighted when you um when you said those kind words because it's always such a struggle to uh come up with um well new characters who don't who don't look alike and I um it's almost like when i when i start a story it's like a person or a character is like uh, miles away or or a mile away and i can see them afar i i can just see a person i i don't know what they look like and it's like when i'm writing uh it's it's as as if they come a step closer and closer and closer and and i can i get to see them more clearly i get to hear their voice i see what they wear i see how they move i see i get to see them more and more and more so i have to keep on writing 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 and and well almost at the end of the book or story then it's clear to me um who the character is and why they do what they do, or like what they like, or dislike what they like.
2: Not only in vendor or Solstice, but also in The Love Boat, that, that characterisation comes through so strongly, and I, I'm sure our readers and listeners will will love to read those stories. I wanted to ask you next why you chose to share these two
3: particular stories with us as part of your residency. Oh, that's a good one. I I think I I'm very um I'm very proud of these stories, and I was so happy and uh, delighted to be uh, invited that I wanted to uh, give the audience my uh my best. Fantastic, thank you. That I mean, I'm I'm absolutely delighted
2: to hear that, and I'm sure our audience will enjoy that. I think I'd now like to ask you about the experience of seeing your work be translated because several of your novels now have been translated into French and German and with these two stories now translated into English, you know, it's such a a pleasure to be able to share share them with our audiences and
3: our readers. Yeah, of course, it's one of the greatest uh compliments to um to receive as a writer uh not only to be published in in your own um in your own country the Netherlands but also in in other countries like uh, uh France or or Germany and now two stories in uh, in England it's um well I sometimes have to pinch myself uh that that this is um well that this is happening and this is it's real I, I I think it's a it's a great um well it's it's kind of weird to say it about yourself, but an accomplishment I think it's not uh well it's something you dream of and and when it's when it happens, it's, well, it's such a cliche, but it's really a dream, a dream come true. I wonder if we could talk a little bit about Leibaden
2: now, because as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, your city is like Norwich, a UNESCO city of literature, and your story Zonavend actually takes place in Leibaden. I wondered what it's like to be a writer in a city of literature for you. Does, does it, have an impact on your writing at all or your your sense of being a writer
3: oh that's a good question leo Biden is it's very good for me it's um well how shall i put it it's uh i come from a uh, as i said i come from a little town um but i my husband wants to go back to a village and i don't. Because I really like living in a city, uh, and especially a city like uh, Leeuwarden, because I also lived in, in, as I said, in Groningen, I also lived a little while in Amsterdam, and well, Groningen was, it, it was fine, uh, but Amsterdam was just too too much for me, it was too... Uh, too big. Um, there were too many things to do, uh, too many choices to make. And Leuven is, uh, well, it has about one hundred thousand uh, inhabitants, and it's it's just perfect for me. Uh, there's there's distraction, but not too much distraction. Uh, it has nice shops. It has a lovely library. It has a so it has it everything for me. The calmness to uh, just sit down and and write. I think if if I was in Amsterdam, uh, there would be so many many things happening. I would. I I don't think I would ever have time to write because I wanted to go to that museum or go to that party or. Um, and here it's. Um, well, here it's it's vivid, but it's also calm, so it's perfect for me.
2: There's a perfect combination of distraction and and tranquility.
3: If you have a, a period of tranquility, it's it's it, if it gets too quiet, then I have no, then I get no inspiration. So yeah. then I can just go out and uh, and get inspiration.
2: I think thinking about the perfect mixture of distraction and tranquility and um, what you said a little bit earlier about how you wrote your books during a very busy time of your life, um, working different jobs and bringing up your children. Could you describe a typical day of writing?
3: Um, well, the, the, I think the children, my children, if I didn't have my uh, children, I sometimes think I I would have never uh, finished a book because they give me a structure. Uh, I have to get up. I have to uh, brush my teeth. I have to go out. I have to bring them to school. Uh, And I know they uh, come back at one time and I know I have to uh, write in that time. That's my only time. So they give me uh, a a good sense of uh, structure. I'm very, very happy. Well, I'm, of course, I'm happy with them, but extra happy with them for giving me, uh, for giving me this. And I, well, I get up uh, because they have to get up, of course, and go to school, and then they go uh, to school, and that's when I, uh, that's when I write. When I'm all alone, and well, sit up, and that's when I, I write, and when they come back. From school, they're now they're a little bit older now, so they have their friends and they have their uh, sports and everything.
2: It's always fascinating to hear how writers, what sort of structure works for people, and and also how um, how writers are balancing their their work with all the other commitments and and things that are going on in life. Many of our Norwich visitors. Uh, are both readers and writers of crime fiction. And I wondered as somebody who's written multiple crime novels, you've been nominated for so many awards. Do you have any advice to share with crime writers who are coming up behind and um, hoping to publish their first book uh, in the future? What would you say to fellow crime writers?
3: Keep the faith and keep writing. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's really that's really it. I I remember being um, a struggling writer, uh, wanting so badly to be published and um, crying sometimes when um, when it seemed hopeless and and actually thinking, well, maybe a writer's life is not my uh, not not my life. Maybe I should. Uh, give up and do something else but I would like to say uh, don't give up and keep the faith and and just keep on writing if you uh, believe in in what you're doing um, and and have um, well and and get a lot of pleasure out of it um, then keep on writing.
2: Thank you Anita I, I think that's beautiful absolutely if if the the enjoyment is there, and and the faith. It's a case of keeping on.
3: Of well, course, sometimes it's not that uh, great. Uh, I I also have moments when I want to smash my computer or uh, want to cry, <laughs> and and it's the thing I like to do most. I can't imagine not writing. Even if I wouldn't sell a book, then I would still be writing. It's just the the greatest thing to do. Fantastic. And um, one
2: final question, if I may. I've just got one more burning question um, that I'd love to ask you. What are you working on at the moment? Can you share any of
3: what you're writing at present? (laughs) I think writers have the nasty habit of not telling or not wanting to know what they are working on, and I'm afraid I'm one of those. The only thing I can say it's uh, like my my debut novel. It's, it's situated in uh, the place where I grew up, the the button say It's it's a beautiful, beautiful uh, place uh, near the sea, and it's situated there. And it it, it, it looks all calm, but terrible things are uh, are about to, to happen.
2: Brilliant, thank you Anita and we'll we'll just have to hope that we'll be able to read it in English I think. You know? I hope
3: so, I really <laughs> hope so, <laughs> that would be another dream come true.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd love to read one of your novels in full, so thank you so much for even just that tiny glimpse of what you're working on. Um, Anita Telstra. a real pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And listeners to this podcast can, of course, find two of Anita's stories in new translations into English by Sarah Timmer-Harvey and Danny Ginnon on the Noirich Crime Writing website. Um, thank you so much, Anita. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And
1: thanks to Anita and to Leivard and UNESCO City of Literature for the support. Stick around because we've got lots more crime writing events coming up across the weekend for Noirage. Visit noirage.co.uk to see the full programme, including events with Attica Locke, Olivier Norrick and another podcast with Sophie Hannah and Dr Mark Aldridge talking about all things Agatha Christie and Hercule Poirot. Norwich is a partnership between the National Centre for Writing and the University of East Anglia. We'd like to say thank you to our partners, Arts Council England, Norwich City Council, Dead Good Books, the Crime Vault and Norwich Business Improvement District. We're also supported by Norfolk County Council, Gerald and Visit Norwich.
0: If you have questions about this podcast or anything else we do, you can get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram at Centre head over to our Facebook page or go to our website at nationalcenterforwriting.org.uk, where you can also sign up to our newsletter so that you don't miss anything else that we're doing. And for everything Noirage, do of course head over to the noirage.co.uk website. Please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast because it helps other people to find and listen to it. Thanks again. Keep writing and we will catch you on the next episode which drops on Sunday.